Greetings, Cyberspace, and welcome to episode 90 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I'd like to start this episode with a bit of gloating, my friend. Do you, uh, are you okay with that? Sure. What do you want to gloat about? How I fixed your computer problem today. No, he, okay, you fixed nothing. I fixed everything, my friend. I think that you're wrong. If it had been, not been for my guidance, you would have n- never uh, been able to do what you needed to do with your browser. Yeah, I was having trouble uploading files through Chrome on my Windows PC at work, and Brian suggested going into incognito mode, but I had initially started some downloads of some updates that seemed to have been prepared in the last couple of days, and some of those completed as I was testing his incognito mode theory, and it worked in incognito mode, but of course then it worked in regular mode too, so I think it had more to do with the updates I prompted than Brian's incognito why don't we call this like a 50 50 proposition are you okay with that i think i said incognito way too often so yeah i'll just give it to you okay okay. new year new me happy new year angelo uh (laughs) uh, still early on i had a conversation actually with someone today and their birthday is on january 20th and that's their cutoff point for when they wish people happy new year which i think is is pretty sensible if you're not me yeah i think that's fine and i i've been cringing Every time somebody wishes me a happy new year late into this week, Am I and I know PTSD? I shouldn't, I think it's just uh, some sort of like stress you caused me over the last uh, year when you wished me happy new year until July, was it? No, I think it was May or June, yeah. It, okay. was, it was well into the year. Anyways, uh, all that to say, genuine happy new year to you. Uh, let's do some quick follow-ups and get into some really interesting uh, tech items. Uh, and by interesting, I mean super depressing, right? Of course, always depressing nowadays with (laughs) tech items, but uh, the quick follow-up is some interesting news out of uh, CES, uh, shockingly, is Apple is doing what kind of you were hoping they would do, and that's have their services on other devices, and more specifically, video services. Right. So last week I discussed sort of like Apple's um, uh, uh, revised projections, and I think that kind of pointed towards the idea of um, content being uh, something that they need to get into in order to become long-term successful beyond what they're currently um, producing in terms of, of products, right? So going from a product model to a content and service model. Well, if they want to compete with Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime, which is there, those are available on everything. We even talked about your TV having a Netflix button. So they need to get on everything. And they've announced that they have a few partnerships that, and they're slightly different. So um, with some manufacturers like LG, Sony, and Vizio, they're going to allow direct airplay to onto the television, which is really convenient. I've used it with my Apple TV and you just kind of just press a button and whatever's on your phone shows up on your TV and it works really well, very clear. And for Samsung, they're going to have the AirPlay, but they're also going to have the iTunes app. They're the only ones that are going to have this iTunes app. And that's kind of interesting. The other manufacturers though will have HomeKit support, which is Apple's uh, smart home thing. So there's like a bit of a mixed bag of different things. I think eventually it'll all just smooth out and everybody will have the same services on the TVs. But this is a big step towards making their upcoming content service uh, viable. Right. And there are some rumors out there that they're going to be uh, two-tiering it, right? So some of the stuff is going to be free on the Apple service and some paid. It'll be interesting to see how that kind of uh, plays out over the next 12 to 18 months, let's say, because they are clearly gearing up to launch some content. Yeah. I'm So I had a thought today. I don't know if I've heard this discussed anywhere else. I don't think I have. What if they have their own shows and as part of this service, they'll allow like one or two free rentals from iTunes a month? I mean, it's a, it's a more expensive endeavor. Right, yeah, because when you rent something from iTunes, it's anywhere from ninety nine cents to like six bucks. Also, that's content that uh, Apple doesn't own. Yeah, I'm just wondering if they'll eat the cost of it to kind of push their service out there. Right, because I wonder what the revenue split is on there. Uh, I haven't seen uh, much in terms of numbers in terms of like what happens to the money you pay uh, on iTunes. Uh, I do know on the music side, it is uh, a little more uh, on the smaller side of things. Well, if it's streaming, yes, it's quite small, even though I think Apple pays uh, more than most streaming services. It's it's pennies. Yeah. How interesting. I, so, you know, this is a, a podcast of a semi-prepared nature, but sometimes in discussion. So I was going to type in how much uh, does Apple Music pay out? But the autocomplete is, is much funnier. Can I read this to you? Please. So on Google, it's how much does, right, blank. So how much does Ninja make, right? So the Twitch streamer Ninja. How much does a teacher make in Ontario? How much does Uber pay? And how much does a Canadian quarter weigh? 
You want to type it in for me and see what it comes up yeah, with? Yeah, could you please and see what the autocomplete okay. is? So it's how much? How much does? How much does? Oh, no, it's the same as you. How much does Ninja make <laughs> is the first one. How much does Amazon Prime cost? Oh, yeah, that's the other one. How uh, much does Uber pay? And then how much does Canadian Quarter weigh? Yeah, weird. Interesting to see what people are looking up these days. Ninja is, of course, worth millions of dollars. Congrats to him and his... Uh, did you see his like sad flossing dance New Year's Eve in, in Times Square? Brian? I have no idea who Ninja is. Perfect. Okay, so I will go ahead and link to uh, something to, firstly, you, and then in the show notes to take a look at. Um, so let's continue on the trend of like really depressing things, right? So I uh, dug up an article uh, dated to, uh, December 26th, 2018 by Max Reed from uh, New York Magazine called How Much of the Internet is Fake? Turns out a lot of it, actually. And this is kind of a perfect distillation of everything I feel about the internet and uh, sort of like my inherent rage about how uh, we everything is just broken uh, in terms of like the way in which we as a society uh, interact and consume things online well this is just showing us that we have no idea what people are actually doing on the internet in terms of what's popular and what's not we kind of have a vague sense of it but this kind of paints it out to be that we really don't know much and a lot of what's happening on the internet is not in our control no, exactly. Uh, so this article kind of breaks it down into different paragraphs, which make me laugh. So the first kind of section is called the metrics are fake, right? So it kind of highlights some of the problems that advertisers uh, have with Facebook, right? So uh, there were recent revelations of uh, viewing time for videos not being consecutive, right? So the idea that if you watch a video for like two seconds over and over and over, then they're counting it as cumulative. Yeah, we had kind of talked about this before where yeah. Facebook is kind of fudging these numbers for the video service. And, uh, you know, we were talking about Apple before and their upcoming video services. Well, it looks like Facebook wants to get into this game too, but Facebook doesn't have the best track record right now. And I think like as, as people think maybe Apple won't be successful with this, Facebook, Facebook would bomb. So what I'm really thinking now, and I feel like people have started uh, abandoning Facebook on mass, more or less. Um, you and I have both discussed this and we're very close to pulling the trigger uh, on the idea of this, right? Facebook is not a thing for me. I I will tell you right now, I have not logged in uh, to Facebook in 2019. Okay, perfect. Great. I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, keeping up to date with all the trends. That's why you don't know what Ninja or who Ninja is. Uh, most likely it's because you don't even pay attention to Facebook. But yeah, so I mean, the thing is, a couple of years ago, a lot of uh, media outlets pivoted to video specifically for the Facebook platform because of the metrics they were seeing. These metrics were a lie. Subsequently, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these organizations have started closing down because advertisers are willing to pay less money. And there's just a, a downward spiral in terms of content creation um, on the professional side. So the metrics are fake. Um, in a lot of these different cases, right? And even questioning, like, how do you see an ad and how does an ad affect you and what kinds of ads get served on Facebook and how many on the advertising side, how many impressions and what they count for and are they even real a lot of the time too, right? Well, the advertisers are the ones that are losing out the most in this. As annoying as ads are, they kind of need to understand there's their business and people make money off ads, but they make money based on how many people are seeing these ads. And if if what this article says is true, the majority of the numbers they have are based on what bots are seeing. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of like, like bot to bot. Yeah, there's no actual humans seeing these stupid ads anyway. And a lot of browsers are making it harder for ads to come through on purpose because they've had to be, make ads so irritating that they're a burden on people using the internet. Yeah, I think we're back to the pop-up era. Well, and it's not even pop-ups. They're, they're worse than pop-ups. They're like pop-overs, I guess. And you can't, and they're really bad on, um, on touch devices, right? On mobile, they're, the, they're worse than on regular web traffic in terms of on a desktop computer or a regular computer. Let's, you know, regular computer versus mobile computer. Uh, they're all I computers. Mobile, I, well, they're all computers, yes. Isn't when I say mobile, uh, yes, it's a computer, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, but it's, it doesn't like go to the same websites, right? Like one of the things that's annoying with an iPad and a lot of people complain about this is a 13 inch iPad, like the one I have, a lot of websites that you go to in Safari, you get stuck on the mobile version of the site, which is yeah. really irritating. Yeah. 
Uh, it's the hamburger style of like menus and it's like different streamlined content. Um, as someone who's dabbled in the other side of things on the adversary, advertiser side of things, it is definitely a frustrating um, narrative to push things out and not even know how they're going to end, right? Because I used to um, spend a little tiny bit of money in terms of uh, promoting um, certain events and things uh, on Facebook and I can never tell what my return on interest was necessarily because they're not able to tell you a lot of the time. And another thing, right? Like there's a lot of fake traffic, but the problem is, is a lot of the real traffic that you can tell is being done by humans is also fake because it's from click farms. Right. So that's the next section in the article. It's called the people are fake, right? So it kind of touches um, on how unlike Facebook, uh, YouTube view counts, uh, people can, you, you can, there are services you can buy. Yeah, YouTube accounts, right? So the the top header of this image is a click farm of like dozens and dozens of phones put together. And uh, what happens is a lot of these people spoof their IPs and then are able to direct them uh, to a certain video that a client wants, you know, their numbers to be inflated for. Well, this is something else we've talked about before is people paying to have followers, which other than make like so what's the point of that, Brian? Explain it to me. Other than make yourself feel better that you have all these fake followers. What's the point? Does it give you more exposure at all? Well, so view count um, is one of the metrics by which people will decide whether or not they want to do business with you, right? So the idea of uh, if you want to become an influencer, for example, right? So let's say that you are uh, like you love doing makeup tutorials, right? And that is an arena you want to go into. And so the idea is if you boost your viewer count and your view count, then you look more attractive to certain advertisers. You look more attractive to brands that you look to partner with, right? Yeah. And there's no way for these brands to actually figure out that your viewers are fake? So one of the things that a lot of people don't do necessarily at the beginning is they don't look at interactions. So like, for example, like video comments, right? So if you have 100,000 views in a video, but there are three comments, that's a little suspect to me. A lot of the YouTubers I follow actually have a really good community around them where right. they're, they're like, they're the vast majority of the comments I, I see from the YouTubers I like are relatively positive. There's, right. you know, there's the now and then horrible comment, but the vast majority of them Really positive stuff. Now, I was wondering, is something like Netflix more immune to this because people pay? I definitely do think that because it's a walled garden, uh, but uh, inversely, right? So Netflix doesn't really share their data all too much, apart from like when they hit major milestones. So uh, to them, it's all of the stuff that they collect, and they probably have different ways of figuring out metrics than uh, a platform that is public-facing where you see numbers would. Yeah, that's the thing with Netflix is, and it's kind of like podcasts where, you know, you could go download podcasts, you'll see which ones are on, you know, top 100 lists or whatever, but you never know how many people are actually listening to a podcast. Like, you're listening to this right now, and... Is this your way of telling people to sound off on us? No, no, not are at all. Are you asking just, for iTunes reviews? Well, you can review us if you want. Again, again, I'm still not convinced that does anything, but you can review us if you want. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you're listening to this podcast. We're two people that are coming through in your earbuds or whatever you're listening to us, but you have no clue how many other people are listening to this. No, you could be the only person listening to this. It's me, you, and Brian. Spoofing. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But on on YouTube, you can tell exactly that what PewDiePie has 75 million uh, subscribers, which subscribers on YouTube is like a weird thing, right? Because you could be subscribed to a channel, but not watch every video. Where if I'm subscribed to a podcast, I listen to every episode. Not every video will show up in your subscription feed either, right? Because the way that um, YouTube is constantly shifting. Because back in the day, if you subscribe to a channel and you clicked on the subscriptions um, tab, you know, in your browser, you'd get a full list of what you were seeing, right? And then you had to have like notifications attached. And then like you had to actually, the more you watch a channel, the more it's served to you, right? Yeah, I, I get that. Fr- I get frustrated sometimes where a channel I like pops up a video, but then I don't get it in my uh, YouTube suggest- suggestions and I have to kind of like go seek it out. It is a little uh, annoying and it's becoming more and more difficult, I think, to for a uh, content creator to reach an audience on YouTube than it ever was before. Um, it's kind of a toxic ecosystem for a number of reasons, you know, like the so-called adpocalypse of a couple of years ago. There's a lot of that. And that sort of goes into the uh, next con, uh, the comment I want to talk about is the content is fake, right? So we talked about how there's like those really weird children's channels. Those are horrifying. Yeah. Uh, and so some of it had to be created by man, but some of it seems to be like, I caught a stream that lasted no joke um, when it ended. So it was a live stream. It was 130 hours of children's songs. And it seemed like it was created by some kind of a bot. 
but how does a bot create something like that? Like, I don't get it. Uh, there's like a, a number of different ways I think in which you can uh, create that kind of content, right? So the idea is you set up some templates and then they have to match whatever the vowel is. Okay. And then there's those weird Elsa and Spider-Man videos that um, have millions upon millions of views and they make no sense. Double density. So next up is the businesses are fake. And uh, the funny thing is I, there was an article I had already linked you to about this like weird network. It's a, a Newsweek piece, a Newsweek piece. It was the group that had bought Newsweek at one point and how it seemed that they were running a f- fairly fake ish Amazon, like a reseller. Yeah, uh, yeah, outfit, and it was attached to like a church in a, a religious school, and it's like this really weird thing. And so you, and there are a lot of people who Photoshop, like you know, like when Amazon says you're a bestseller, for example. Um, and this kind of ties into a story we didn't have time to cover this week about how there is a whole kind of like a niche market of people who are out there, sort of. Um, trying to get rich quick through creating their own Amazon stores and selling items that people may like and going into debt and blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, it's, yeah, it's like sort of like uh, multi-level marketing and stuff like that, but with Amazon. Yeah. And it's a lot of people uh, pining and, and pinning their hopes on the idea that they're going to hit that magic product that sells well in the marketplace and they can continue to ship. Cause the idea, the, this idea is not new and it's something that like friends and I have discussed about, like for example, like uh, creating a t-shirt business, right? Where there's your, it's literally like a, it's a turnkey operation from like, you're not storing any of the physical product. You're not uh, administering any of the actual kind of like delivery mechanisms. You're just ensuring that product gets moved from inception to customer door. Are you trying to get me to uh, get uh, double density t-shirts out there? Perhaps. Uh, is there any interest in that? Double underscore density on Twitter, let us know. Uh, so moving on, our politics are fake, right? So the idea that we are reshaping the way in which we think through divisive uh, discussions as well as like, um, it's kind of cliche to talk about like the Russian operatives in the 2016 US elections, but it is something that is in existence, something that is created. And also like, um, for example, like when YouTube makes you fall into a rabbit hole and brings you to an ecosystem where it's kind of very, very specific kind of videos that you're going to watch, your mindset and the way that you start to think kind of starts to change a little bit. Uh, And therefore, like it kind of informs your politics in an artificial way. People don't get that the stuff that they're seeing on their Facebook feed is not real. People have a lot of hard time, and this is happens on both sides, right? Left and right. It doesn't matter your political views. You're, if you believe in something strongly enough, if you see a story about it and it agrees with you, whether it's real or fake, you're gonna you're wanna you're gonna wanna believe in it. I think the big thing too is that like we need to shift our attitudes and ways of thinking into different and distinct ways, right? So I follow a lot of people that I definitely do not agree with politically on Twitter just to see what the conversations are like um, outside of my own ecosystem and inside of my own echo chamber, right? So I think on the one hand, we do need to do that. And then similarly, at the same time, we need to literally question everything X-Files style. For sure. Anytime I see something that seems too good to be true, whether I agree with it or whether I don't, I look it up. Uh, Snopes used to be a good site for that. Not as much anymore, but just do some. Did you know that Snopes uh, also helps in uh, quote unquote uh, myth busting on Facebook? Like they were one of the um, platforms that was offered this and then they hopped off when they realized that Facebook didn't care about them. Uh, that's not that hard to believe with Facebook, right? Is Facebook ever going to fix itself? No. No, I, it's a dystopian uh, pile of garbage that only continues to wither away. And uh, it's funny because I was reading the Ars Technica uh, death watch list. I don't know if I linked you to that for the year. You and did, they definitely yeah. do believe that Facebook management is on their way out. I don't think so. I but think I thought I heard that Facebook is, see, look, the fake news from, maybe. From who? Your friend George Soros? I'm, yes. <laughs> no, it's this guy who has a pizza place. Anyway, he told me that Zuckerberg has basically set it up so it's impossible for him to be removed. Yeah, well, he's the majority shareholder, and and he's also has several mechanisms in place. So I do believe like this is a burning ship that's going to get worse and worse with every security breach, with every um, sort of like story out there wherein they cannot uh, properly address. And I think that's another article that we want to talk about this week, but we don't have a ton of time about Facebook moderation, right? So there's a, a long form piece we might talk about next week, all about how difficult it is uh, to moderate Facebook and how it's, it's sort of grown, um, much beyond the confines of what was originally, uh, planned. I do believe in the article from motherboard that I'm referencing. They were saying that like, there were like a, t- a team of like 10 for like 200 million users at one point to, to moderate content. It, that's way too much, right? Like there's, there's too much content for people to be able to get through any of it. And I would not want that job. 
No, and I, I, the machine learning isn't where it is because machine learning a lot of the time is devoid of context. And when we talk about machine learning, it's like a very kind of weird, um, uh, uh, sort of trendy thing to talk about, right? And just the idea of teaching computers uh, uh, rhythms and information in such a way that they can decide for themselves um, how to operate, right? Yeah, you see it in a in a in a very useful way. You see it with something like Google Photos, right, where it'll set things up and uh, find your face and. Um, give you a good grouping of photos. Um, I get a lot of fun uh, then and now photos of my kids, which is kind of neat. The vast majority of them are actually really well done. And and I do realize I'm giving all my data to Google, yes. But Google, I don't know. Google kind of, even though I shouldn't, I guess I trust them. Well, trust, that's a strong word, right? Like uh, we've discussed it before, right? Like Apple's on top in terms of privacy trust i don't think it's a, i don't even think it's like a, a, a an idea of trusting where it's like being least wary of something right i don't think because i feel like trust has a, a a series of positive attributions to it that in in this in these particular instances do not exist it's like what is the least worst yeah i guess like so apple they want my money google wants my data facebook wants like to rule the world yeah i think that's a fair assessment but at the same time i just uh yeah, I think it's it's definitely uh, uh, talking about the least worst in all of this. Uh, finally, the last sort of part of this article, which I implore you to read because I feel like it kind of describes how I feel about everything these days, uh, which is like an awesome thing to start off the year with. Um, and so the title is We Ourselves Are Fake, right? So the idea of the construct of the person, right? Like the pictures we put up, the interactions we have, very artificial in nature, not being our true selves necessarily. I know. My name's not even Angelo. <laughs> It's kind of funny. I was thinking about this, this idea of like the artificial construct and how kind of ironically, like 20 years ago when you kept a, a, a blog with a username that necess- wasn't necessarily your, your own one, you were more real in that point than you could ever be in 2019. Are there a lot of people out there going by like uh, internet aliases anymore? Not really. Right. But you're right. They're more fake than they were. Like everything yeah. is sort of like, so you'll see people on Instagram and it's their real names and stuff, but every actual situation you see of them in, on Instagram is for them to show whatever product they're trying to influence. There's someone in particular that I have in mind when I think about this, and uh, they definitely don't listen to the podcast, I can tell you that for a fact. But they want to portray a certain type of lifestyle that they lead that is clearly not what they're leading. How does that make you feel, Brian? Uh, sad and angry because <laughs> the weird thing is I've known this person for a long time and I could very easily slide into their comments and just kind of correct the lies that they put down, but I don't want to necessarily engage with that. So I've, uh, I'm one step away from unfollowing them. I've muted them. I don't need to deal with this as of yet. Make that a goal for 2019. Do you remember that uh, Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episode with where the giant, like all of the neon signs come to life? Vaguely. Like there's the one with like the, like the donut boy. Yes, okay, I remember that. Okay, and do you remember like, they have a song in there? No, I don't remember any songs. Okay, it's, it's the Just Don't Look song by The Simpsons. It's Paul Anka and Lisa. Well, see if you can find a YouTube clip of it, I but will. I doubt it. Okay, uh, I will, but the idea is like if you just look away, they stop. And it's kind of the same kind of, of thing I'm, I'm thinking of here. Yeah. Uh, so with that depressing thought, Angelo, uh, let's end things here uh, to really start off 2019 with a sad bang, not a fun bang, not like a fireworks kind of bang, just kind of like an explosion in, inside of like an oil drum kind of bang. Just at the beginning of this year, we already have so many things we want to talk about that we've cut out a ton from what we were going to talk about tonight. But we're like, as you know, we try to keep our episodes under an hour, and I think we have talked for three tonight. So yeah. Uh, so we'll, wait, before I forget though, like I, yeah. very quickly, then in that case, there's one last article. I just want to mention the title of this is called "I Gave a Bounty Hunter Three Hundred Dollars and He Located Our Phone." It's a motherboard article uh, by uh, Joe Cox that came out uh, a couple of days ago. Definitely go uh, read that. And uh, to anyone who thinks the idea of like privacy still exists, which I clearly have been like disabused of over the last like I don't know like decade, let's say uh, this kind of points to that in that you can uh if you're a bail bondsman uh through other means you can pay cell phone companies to track your location based on phone number yeah whether you have uh an iphone or an android phone or whatever they'll track you yeah they don't need like and that's the thing is because of the 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 proliferation of cell towers um, by these different carriers it's very easy to find out what's going on and who is where within a very very like uh, exact kind of like uh location I have a little anecdote for you actually today. Okay, and let's we'll cap it off here for the uh, tech section before getting into more depressing things on the <laughs> paranormal section. I was on the train today and I saw a guy, he was using a PC laptop, but one of those cool convertible ones where it, it turns into a, a tablet. Very modern looking, very new. I couldn't be more than a year old. 
using that. Then he puts it down. He pulls out his cell phone. Brian, it was a flip phone with a cracked screen. Yes. I have to come up with a backstory for this guy. Why is he using this really high-tech, amazing laptop, but then has this really old flip phone? I was. I, I think I know what it is. Is it because he's trying to hide from bounty hunters, or could bounty hunters track that phone too? Uh, two words for you, Angelo. John Titor. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's uh, blast from the past or, was, or is it the Literally, future or from the future? Yeah. Uh, I just want to put that in, in your uh, mind and think about that for a second. Maybe it's a time traveling kind of situation. Uh, maybe it was very odd. Anyways, with that in mind, let's close things off and we'll head over to the paranormal section. See you there. Welcome back to Double Density. And as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So first things first, this week, kind of a mini update. Uh, a couple of episodes back, we talked about the uh, kind of craziness surrounding the sonic attack uh, on the U.S. Embassy in Havana. And now, apparently, according to The Guardian, uh, it may be crickets, which I, <laughs> having read all this, I definitely do not believe for a number of reasons. But it is out there. It is a theory that exists in the realm of possibility. I'm going to be in Cuba in a couple of months. Maybe I should uh, swing by and see if there's any uh, sonic uh, crickets. From what I understand, the U.S. Embassy is now half-staffed from what it was last year. So, hey, uh, maybe you can find yourself a job as like a manservant or some kind of IT guy. I actually won't be very close to Havana, though. So, well, hopefully, I wonder if they'll have any at the beach. Step one, abandon your family. Step two, get your resume ready. Step three, work for the U.S. Embassy in Cuba and find out what the deal is. But yeah, apparently... um, uh, it might be crickets, uh, according to people who are well in the know. But I, I find it very interesting. I don't know if you're right towards the bottom, but uh, we have a local connection to the story. So Joe Pollack, who uh, studies how animals detect and discriminate sensory signals at McGill, uh, was mentioned. Uh, and then he was saying uh, that he finds this to be a completely plausible explanation. But there are different um, ideas of how the frequencies are interpreted by the human ear that causes problems. I, I really doubt it was crickets. But, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not a cricket doctor, so I don't know. Are you telling me that like everyone who has ever lived in South America and who has dealt with uh, all of these crickets um, uh, is becomes like violently ill? Yeah, no, I don't think so. So uh, I, I would say this explanation is towards the bottom of the list of anything that's plausible. Right. But as Just, we will find out as we discuss things uh, this week, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. a lot of people think things that are probably not very plausible. So before we move on to the meat and potatoes of the paranormal section, which is going to drive us slowly insane, I feel, but I also want to talk about how uh, we need to sort of rethink how we see things in 2019. I'm going to quote from the article, uh, the crickets meeting call and the human recordings did not match up perfectly. The sound recorder in Havana had an uneven pulse structure, which is not seen in calling insects. So the specialists were saying that they realized the discrepancy might be down to the environments in which the recordings were made. I don't necessarily see how that can be plausible because they're saying it's an indoor outdoor kind of like difference, but how many crickets would you have indoors in order to get someone, uh, basically like half the staff sick, right? It's like an insane cricket infestation, something yeah. out of a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> like at that uh, point, you wouldn't be worried about the sound. You'd be worried about being overwhelmed by crickets. Next up on the docket is a uh, very short story, which made you and I laugh, uh, sadly, I guess, f- from the Associated Press. The title of it is Russian Church Head Colon Smartphones Could Precede Antichrist. So the head of the Russian Orthodox Church says that data gathering capacity of devices such as smartphones risks bringing humanity closer to the arrival of the Antichrist. So Patriarch Kirill um, talks about how all of this data collection can make it dangerous for us mere mortals because uh, someone's tracking us at all times. And while he doesn't poo-poo technology, he definitely is very wary of it. So I feel like in some ways I'm aligned with the way he's thinking, but not aligned with the uh, end results. Well, look, just listen to any of our episodes where we love technology, but we're also kind of wary of what it's doing to the society in general. But um, I don't think it's going to precede the Antichrist. Also, the Antichrist like is one kind of... Uh, uh, firstly, I think he's wrong because the Antichrist is definitely Mark Zuckerberg putting that out there, FYI. So yeah, the Antichrist is the person who will be at the head of the World Wide Web that controls the entire human race, says the patriarch. Yeah, isn't the, isn't, uh, the Antichrist supposed to be somebody named Mabus, according to our friend uh, John Hogue? Let's not... Uh, okay, all right. Well, I... I don't want to discuss John Hogue this this episode. I 
I'm working on something else that involves sort of like what he's up to peripherally. And I definitely don't want to uh, talk about him more than I have to. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll table that for a future episode. Perfect. So uh, last week we talked about the three pillars of a conspiracy theory, right? Um, and we kind of used um, China landing on the moon as sort of like a, a framing device for this narrative. So we're kind of bringing this up again in a different kind of way. Also, technically speaking, Angelo, uh, China didn't land on the dark side of the moon. They landed on the the far side of the moon. Yes, because most people know this, or maybe they don't. I don't know. Like the moon is tidal locked with Earth. That means we're we always see the same side of it because it spins at the same rate as our days or whatever. Like uh, I'm not explaining it very well, but we always see the same face, and that's why you see the one side of the moon, and they call it the dark side. But the sun does light it up. It's just that it's nighttime. It's daytime here when it's lit up, and we can't see right. the moon. So I had a coworker actually mention this to me today. He said, cause he had listened to last week's episode and he said, by the way, just to let you know, far side, not dark side. And I totally agree with him. I, it slipped my mind. It is strange though, right? Like the, the moon is tidal locked with earth. We only see one side and the moon is the exact same size as the sun, as we see it in our sky, which is why we get those total eclipses and further proof that we are all part of a simulation. I just, okay, so this kind of moves into the main kind of uh, topic I want to bring up with you. Uh, does the moon even exist? If so, what is it? Is it a construct? Is it brought here by aliens? Was it built by another civilization? <sighs> I can't believe we've yet to talk about this 90 episodes in, but there is so much to cover. Um, I feel like we're going to have to be like very selective in what we want to talk about, and I feel like we're going to return to this a, a couple of times probably in the near future, but there's so much to talk about. Uh, do you believe the moon to be a real entity, Angelo? Yeah, absolutely. So before, I want to clear everything up first. Anything to do with science and the moon and the way it works and that we landed on the moon and stuff, uh, that is the camp I am firmly based in. Uh, anything I make to reference of being a simulation and stuff is is mostly jokingly. Mostly. I, lo- I love that there's a caveat there. Like, we're not 100% sure about the whole simulation thing. Thanks, Elon Musk. I do find the idea of there being structures on the moon and bases on the moon and weird stuff on the moon super interesting and super fun to think about, but I don't think any of it's true. Just like it's fun to think about there being like pyramids and stuff and faces and statues on Mars. That stuff is super fun to think about. Oh my God, we're not going to talk about this. No, we're not going to talk about Mars tonight. We've talked about it before, but the same people who push like the Cydonia stuff on Mars are the same people that talk about structures and things on the moon because one of your favorite people with the most amazing hair in all of the paranormal research is going to come up later. Yes. So uh, there's so many people who have so many theories about the moon. Like, for example, like David Icke is a full believer that the moon is also controlled by our reptilian overlords, right? Yeah, but David Icke is not um, someone who we want to really associate ourselves with. You're talking about like David Icke, doctor, scientist, master of uh, the universe, David Icke? Our our uh, our friend uh, and guest of the show a few weeks ago, Sam Fredrickson, almost went crazy researching David Icke. Yeah, so the, that's a two-parter, I think, on uh, the Not Alone podcast, all about David Icke. And uh, as a man who's known about his writings and who read uh, his infamous book, Children of the Matrix, like 15 years ago when it came out or whatever. Uh, you were waiting in line for it, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. No, actually, strangely enough, my library had it. <laughs> what kind of library did you have? A really good one. He, they had that one. And uh, hold on, I gotta look about this one. David So apart from Chill in the Matrix, my library also had Alice in Wonderland and the World Trade Center disaster, a.k.a. 9-11 was an inside job. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> Who was the librarian at your library? <laughs> I feel was like, it, so Was I it feel, Alex Jones? I feel like it's... You know how libraries, like, they take in requests for books? I feel like it was someone who had a very specific interest and, like, asked the library to purchase these books. You grew up in a very interesting neighborhood. Uh, yeah, well, I definitely do. And, like, it was a, it's a suburb of, like, 70,000 people or whatever. Like, I feel like couple of cranks out there. Anyways, uh, it was funny because even as like a teenager and in my late teens when I'd read this, I definitely didn't believe any of this because it was just so kind of like dumb and stupid and easy to sort of like, I, I treated it as fiction. So I felt like it was like the easier way of dealing with this because other people treat it as reality. And that's just sad. Well, so uh, on that point, moving on to moon structures, what do you <sighs> think about the moon structures, Brian? So um, uh, my favorite hair man and yours, Richard C. Hoagland, uh, believes in the uh, tower and the shard, right? So that's some of the anomalies that we can probably show um, in our show notes about how they look. Um, and he believes that these are, are of a 
deliberate creation, I guess is the best way of putting it because we're not sure if it's aliens or if it's humans from the future of the past. I love the names he came up with this, the tower, the shard, isn't one called the spire or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the spar, yeah. And these things, they're not real, but they look, they're either some sort of camera anomaly or whatever, or a dust or something. But if they're real, apparently the tower or the shard is shooting up seven kilometers in the air. Yeah, uh, which the moon? makes no sense at all if you really think about it. We would be able to see it from here. Well, just the idea of the, sh- and just the way that the shadow would fall. Yeah, it would be like a clock on the moon. Like, there's no way that it makes sense. There's another very interesting one that's uh, called the robot head. I don't know if you've seen this one at all. But, that one uh, it, I didn't see in, in the research I did. Okay, Angela, get ready to get your mind blown, because I want you to look at this so-called robot head. I'm going to drop this in the show notes. Okay, yeah, I did see this picture. Okay, doesn't it look like the Joker? It looks like the Phantom of the Opera, actually. Or like the Joker, I feel like in full makeup. Okay, maybe, um, but it's probably just a rock, right? So what I feel about a lot of these different kinds of structures is that a lot of the shots taken of the moon originally weren't um, of a high quality, right? So the idea of like of noise reduction, of grain cleanup, and things like that existed um, to an end, right? So it's like the idea of like opening a Photoshop and trying to create something out of nothing. No, yeah, they didn't have the stuff that you see on CSI where they could enhance things perfectly. Which is also uh, funny because I used to talk about that. Um, uh, so my bachelor's degrees in communications, we had certain teachers used to laugh at those sorts of things because you, if you have a, a crappy image to start with, you can't just keep yelling enhance until you see exactly what you want, right? And that's like kind of a, a, a this idea, this construct that television has created. And I feel it's kind of like poured over into a lot of what we're seeing with the moon being artificial, with the moon being a projection, with the moon being uh, alien created, right? I've heard of people saying that there's a, a video of the moon blinking out. I have yet to find this video. If anybody knows of it and knows a link to it and it looks decent, send it to me. I'd be curious to see. But I, I've looked for this and other than some mentions on Reddit or something, I haven't seen any actual footage of the moon blinking out because guess what? It's really there. <laughs> Are you ready to talk about one of my favorite people on earth and something that we used to joke about at the beginning of this, uh, when we started this podcast? Who and what? Jose Escamilla, the father of rods, also oh. has a theory about the moon. Of course he does. He Is actually it all believes rods all the time. No, he actually believes that a lot of the craters and things are actually flying saucers, but they're holes. Hey, man, they're just hiding. This would coincide well with uh, what Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin actually reported, according to uh, an article from Gaia.com. They reported that we saw some visitors. They were there for a while. Right. They were other spaceships. They've landed there and they're watching us. How do you feel about that? Apparently, NASA cut this out. And is it true that there's a full two minutes of them when they landed on the moon where there was no audio? That's a good question. I'm not too sure about the length of time, but I, I do mean that like things get lost all the time. I don't necessarily think it's like, you know, and there's like all these like ideas of like when the Apollo missions were going on that there was like lost video, right? And like the, like there was like desyncing going on and, and a ton of like clear evidence was lost. It, it was 1969 and they landed people on the moon with the computing power of a calculator. Yeah, like it's, it's like kind think of, of that, right? Like, which brings me to to once again share the idea of the faked moon landing, my friend, right? Which mm-hmm. is a little more plausible than the moon not existing at all or being a construct. Okay, I'll I'll give you that much. I still think we landed on the moon, but in terms like a sucker, of yes, okay, uh, but in terms of us actually uh, the moon actually existing or not, okay, yes, it in terms of plausibility, it is significantly higher on the list. Yes. Uh, so you also uh, put in the show notes something really interesting that made me laugh is a uh, list from listverse.com titled The 10 Weird Anomalies and Bizarre Conspiracies of the Moon. And some of them made me laugh. Like the moon is too perfect, apparently. Well, that's kind of what I was talking about before, right? With the sun and the moon being the exact same size relative to their uh, position to Earth and our on our the way we see them causing us to see total eclipses and how the one side is locked to earth. But apparently that's not an uncommon thing in outer space. Like there's other moons out there that are, are tidal, tidally locked to planets. So it's not a, a weird thing. No, I just think it's also like a question of orbit and size and things like that. So I'm going to quote directly from the article for this one. The size of the moon is about one quarter that of earth. Now here is where things get strange. The diameter of the moon is about 400 times smaller than that of the sun, but the moon is also 400 times closer to the earth than the 
the sun, throwing out two figures that aren't really interrelated uh, to discuss the idea of lunar perfection. Yeah, it, it, that whole paragraph just reads like somebody just kind of throwing the same number out there to kind of confuse us. One of my favorite things is, uh, so number nine is that the moon is hollow. Yeah, uh, it's not. No. Well, so the, the evidence that they give is that there was seismic activity on the moon reported in late 1969 as if that uh, changes anything at all. Yeah, like NASA hasn't really come out and said anything. There there was, um, there is like evidence that it sounded like a bit like a bell when yeah. they, they, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything that it's hollow. It would really make no sense that the moon is hollow. But no, hey, no. we could be wrong. But um, Carl Sagan uh, says that it can't be hollow. And I tend to err and agree with with that side of things. Uh, yes. So number eight, and it's something we just talked about, is the moon's craters are strange. Uh, as Jose Escamilla says, they're probably flying saucers. Number seven, the moon's many artificial structures. We just talked about that too. So there's a picture of the shard. Number six is it was brought here and placed in orbit. By whom? The Skywatchers, my friend. Which leads to number five is the result of alien intelligence. Yeah, of course. Those are like the friendliest looking gray aliens I've ever I seen. <laughs> like, uh, they're four, smiling. They don't have their, their little slit of a mouth. They're kind of like, like, the one in the middle looks really serious, but the guy on the right and the guy on the left like are pretty cool looking. I do agree. Number four is the moon's rotation is also unique, which we've just covered. Just uh, numbers make sense. Yeah. Numbers are fun. And number three, which isn't even a weird anomaly, is Alex Collier's Letters from Andromeda. I don't know if you've uh, read that book. It's a... Uh, <sighs> is it a book of an, fiction? It, no. Uh, well, oh. yes, but no, right? Okay. Um, it's, it's been highly debunked, and the idea is uh, that the moon is actually a spaceship. Of course. Um, and there's not a lot of proof about all of that. So, uh, uh, <laughs> no. so one of the things that the article does mention, which makes me laugh. And when I read the original book years and years ago, it actually did make me laugh too, is that the idea is that the moon is left over from a huge war that was fought 113,000 years ago. So the most frightening thing about all this is that you've read all these crazy books. I've read a lot. Yes. I, unfortunately, like I've read about the secret a- astronaut corps, right? Um, and things like that. Uh, the idea that like we have people up on the moon protecting us from intergalactic invaders. Number two talks about ancient texts, speaking of a time before the moon. Now, could it just mean that it was like a new moon and that's what they were referring to? I think we've talked about this, especially during the the Da Vinci Code uh, episode about how uh, interpretations and translations uh, sometimes lose the context in which which they're created, right? So I feel like this may be a prime example of that. Yeah, uh, because things happened two, three, four thousand years ago. Um, guess what? We didn't really keep good records back then. Right. Uh, and finally, number one is op- uh, operational bases, uh, which we just touched on the secret astronaut corps, right? Perfect. Yeah, this could be plausible. Like, I guess the, 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 the real answer as to why we stopped going to the moon is that it really didn't make much sense to spend all that money on that anymore. But others want to believe that we never stopped and the the public things just stopped, and we've we've been amassing some sort of army or powerful weapons there. Um, I don't think any of that's true because look at all the problems we have here. So this is kind of propagated by a man named Michael Sala, who is a professor, and he's also very interested in something called exopolitics, which are just the idea of us having discourse with other uh, known entities in the universe uh, that are outside of Earth's atmosphere. Now, the the thing that I gathered from this article, well, this listicle, I guess, and the most bizarre thing I read is that I had no idea that Michael Sala was associated with the Chinese Space Agency. Yeah, I don't really understand where that comes from either, which I've tried to find. I couldn't find anything about that. Yeah, because if you go to his website, uh, exopolitics.org, which is kind of a misnomer if it's an organization, I uh, I don't see it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's very, very strange. It would be very odd that the Chinese would hire an American to work with them on this. Well, especially like a long term, right? Yeah, and also a really kooky one too. Kooky is a good word. I like the word kooky uh, when it comes to <laughs> talking about this. Uh, it, do you have a favorite lunar structure? Okay, there's one I was trying to find And it's something that I'd seen years ago on the Paracast forums. And it was like, and I couldn't find it. It's like these tracks along the moon. And it looks like there's these wheels. And I couldn't find any pictures of it. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Is it the fast walker? No. No, it sort of reminds me of... I think I know what you're uh, talking about. Yes, I've seen this somewhere. Oh, shoot, where was it? It's the thing the Empire is trying to uh, to blow up on Hoth. It kind (laughs) of looks like that. 
<laughs> and I was trying to find it, but I couldn't. And I'm I'm wondering if it um if if it's something that either like was faked and I, I saw it by mistake. It's like a created memory in my head. But since you kind of think you know what it is, I don't know. I couldn't find it. Is this like a, a folie à deux? We're just sharing the same kind of craziness? I don't know. I, it's one of the ones that I found interesting and I could not find it. But of the ones I did find, it's the shard. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah, the shard's kind of cool. I really enjoy, um, there's like a lunar cylinder too that I kind of think is cool. What about that monolith? The one with yeah. all the monkeys around it. <laughs> I think you're confusing uh, one type of fiction with another type of fiction. Oh, sorry. So if you were to sort of like uh, throw your um, way of thinking out the window, right? Uh, like open up the window, toss your brain out a bit. Um, which of these sorts of things that that we've just talked about would you agree with? Of of anything on the moon? Or agree most with. Like is the moon in uh, Alien Construct, was it created and brought here? Is it hollow? Um, do we have a secret astronaut core? Are there operational bases on the moon that we're not aware of? Okay. Of the things we discussed, funny enough, maybe that the moon's hollow. Okay. Because of the very mild evidence that it rang like a bell, it would be pretty cool if the moon was hollow uh, in in terms of geolo- geology and stuff like that. But uh, the, the, the whole secret uh, space program, that's kind of cool. It'd be pretty amazing if like they're like, when they're like, yeah, you know what? We lied. We have a whole base on the moon. So your favorite YouTube channel, Secure Team 10, has a whole video about alien bridges on the moon, FYI. Oh, great. And we haven't really talked about that, but that's also something that a lot of people pointed out. Um, amateur astronomers and things like that have also seen things like bridges appear on the moon. Appear on the moon? Yeah, like they're like they look like they're part of the moon. What's weird is we don't know exactly how the moon got there, right? We Right now, the two main scientific theories are it's a chunk of earth that kind of broke off yeah or a a different another celestial body that was being formed at the same time that kind of bounced off earth and it was small enough to get right. caught in our gravitational so that pump. one's called the big wreck theory from what i remember from reading so the second one is the big wreck theory yeah and that one that one makes the most sense to me it makes a lot of sense right because when when a solar system's forming there's all kinds of stuff flying around right uh, we right. still have an asteroid belt and this is probably what happened Right. So uh, coming back to the bridge, this guy who wrote for the New York Herald Tribune, a science editor named John J. O'Neill, says he witnessed a 12-mile-long bridge on the moon. So he reports this to um, a sort of like official body, and they don't really take him seriously. And then uh, a month later, an English astronomer, uh, Dr. H.P. Wilkins, also says that he sees the same thing, and he believes it to look artificial. So uh, it's been seen a couple of times, but it could be almost anything at this point too, right? Yeah, and no images have really been caught of it, right? Exactly, yeah. And we've we've pretty much mapped the entire surface of the moon with satellites at this point, haven't we? Well, officially, yes. Yeah, for, oh, yes, officially. So let's play that game, right? Because also, like you say that we've mapped the surface of the moon, but what if these underground bases are actually right under the surface, my friend? Yeah. Uh, oh, and I, I just remembered another one I liked uh, that isn't super explained that well. There's a picture of an astronaut where there's something reflecting in his oh, like in their visor. visor? Yeah. Yeah. It sort of looks like a weird, like alien squid type thing. Yeah, we'll throw that in the show notes too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, it could be almost anything at that point because uh, the way that the visor is placed, it distorts a lot. Of course, so uh, you can't really tell easily. But obviously, that doesn't stop people from uh, it's, pontificating. It's probably but... just the boom mic from the studio. <laughs> yes, thank you, Angelo, finally for coming back to my side. Though okay. I did tell you to throw your brain in about five minutes ago, so maybe yeah. you're still acting under that premise that you want to believe. Yeah, I, I do want to believe. It'd be nice to believe. I feel like this is a good place to wrap things up. Oh, okay. Hey, why, we did you want to keep talking <laughs> about the moon forever? But there's then we'd so just many be things, two guys talking about the moon. There's so many strains of like lunar theory, like the idea that it is a projection, that it actually doesn't exist. Like there's so many outlandish theories about what it is. And I kind of love that about the moon because it's not something that you can actually like physically check out. Uh, it's not like you can grab a rocket and say, I'm going to the moon. I'll be right back. We have to come up with uh, our, our theories, our, our most outlandish theories episode, like of everything, right? And that moon being a projection is one of them. Um, another being that, uh, holograms caused, uh, nine 11. That's another one. Yes. Uh, like crazy, crazy things like that. I would love to come up with a list of that one of these days, just a whole paranormal segment about that. 
It is easily doable. Uh, and to our listeners, I'm kind of curious. Do you have thoughts about the moon? Do you think about the moon in weird ways? Uh, do you believe it exists? Uh, what is it? How has it come here? Because we're actually not really sure, right? Because there, as you're saying, there are two main theories as to how we believe the moon was created. But who's to say that those theories are even scientifically correct? You go ahead and tweet us at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. Head over to double density done it. Click on the contact button. Let us know what you think about your moon thoughts. Well, you almost ran out of breath there. I did it all in one breath, my friend. Moon thoughts, exciting. Maybe we should start a cult based around the moon. Like, there's so many lunar cults. Like, I feel like the market's kind of crowded, but I feel like it's time that we start, like, a really good, really solid moon cult. Well, you know, the term lunatic comes from people going crazy because of the full moon. Yes. I, I was hoping you'd bring that up, actually. That's one of the <laughs> uh, weird kind of esoteric things I've, I've wanted to talk about. But yeah. You read my uh, mind. Let us be lunatics together, my friend Angelo. I, uh, I'm hoping that you and I could sit together, maybe ponder about the moon, smoke a long uh, corncob pipe, um, have thoughts uh, about being lunatics. I, I just looked up to see when the, if it was the full moon, but it is not. It is the waxing crescent. Sorry. Anyways, with all this moon talk, I'm kind of excited. I think I am going to head by uh, and find the closest window I can and just look outside for a good long while because it is not cloudy around here for the moment. Maybe dream a dream to end up as a secret astronaut. Uh, if anyone has any leads on how to join the secret astronaut corps, or if you have a forum you'd like to send my way, by all means, double density podcast at gmail.com is where you need to send all of your moon thoughts. Right, Angelo? Yeah. And you just reminded me of a moon thought that I'd kind of pushed out of my mind was that time when my son said, Oh yeah, that's the moon. I see something pop out from behind it. Sometimes. I was consciously avoiding talking about this because yeah. I'm annoyed. You, uh, you just so, reminded me of it. And now I'm going to have nightmares. Well, I'm glad, uh, you know, haunted bunk bed thoughts of the moon. I'm glad we're adding to your treasure <laughs> trove bed. of horrors in 2019. You know, if that, uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong thing is real where they said that, that's the, one of the scariest things I've ever read. It, it, I, it, it's do, chilling, right? Like, you know what? Think, let's, let's kind of dig into this deeper. Like, let's maybe not next week, but maybe like in the coming weeks, let's really take this and dig deep into um, astronauts, astronauts in the moon. Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. What do you think, I, listeners? That's not, yeah. that's not a bad idea at all. Sound off. Find us on MySpace. All right. Yeah. MySpace. And, we're at uh, double density dot MySpace dot. Uh, no, it's MySpace.com slash double density podcast. Oh, okay. Stick, okay. stick to the plan, Angelo, here. All right. Good. And with that, my friends, we will uh, see you next week. And uh, Angela, I will see you uh, probably uh, within this lunar cycle, right? For sure. Well, see me, no, but uh, talk to me. We don't see each other often, like twice a year. The funny thing, though, is perhaps I am the man on the moon, Angela. Oh. It's like a Stephen King novel. I thought it was an R.E.M. song. All right, let's wrap things up before we derail too much. I'll see you around, my friend. See you, Brian. Buzz Armstrong and, uh, no, is it Buzz? No, no it's Buzz, Buzz Armstrong. <laughs> Buzz Armstrong. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Um, hey, you didn't have a, a, a clever thing at the end.